0: All right, everybody, this is Tyrell Ventura, and welcome to Die First, Then Quit, Jesse Ventura's own hub for everything that he finds interesting, and one of the things that he finds interesting is authors. I find them wildly interesting as well, and the man coming on... Today is Chris Chambers. We had him on earlier to talk about the film Nope when that was released. And now we're going to talk about his brand new book coming out, Stand Alone, which is a sequel to a previous book that he had written called Scavenger, whose central character Dickie Cornish uh, is one of the the more fascinating characters and dynamic characters in the kind of mystery thriller genre of, of books today. Chris, I wanted to ask you first starting out, You had written Scavenger. What was the inspiration? What got you out of bed? What made you decide to sit down and uh, put fingers to keyboards or pen to paper? I don't know quite how you do it. (laughs) A little of both. A little of both. And uh, and create this sequel to Scavenger Standalone.
1: Um, I was always disturbed by the fact that in my genre, um, in mysteries and thrillers, people, little people on the street and street crime and poor people have never been uh, looked at. I mean, it, and, you know, it's always been uh, either one extreme where you've got like Jason Bourne popping into windows and killing people, or it's been, you know, Miss Marple on the other extreme where, you know, cats are poisoning in in, in the parlor. And, you know, it, it 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 just defied reality to me. And you do in the middle have these police procedurals, but at the same time, I mean, you don't have to be a black lives matter activist to see that those are problematic i mean they're 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 totally propaganda for the police department and it's always some uh, hannibal lecter type serial killer or or some uh, massively impervious drug dealer that doesn't exist in real life that they're there to take down or you have olivia benson uh, who's who's helping sex uh, crime victims when In fact, the NYPD Special Victims Unit closure rate is closer to 20%. There was a lot of room in the middle. And um, one of my um, mentors is uh, author George Pelicanos who who did do that um, show, he did The Deuce on HBO by Times Square uh, in the the 70s and 80s. And he did the recent We Own the Street about Baltimore's uh, uh, gun squad, uh, gun collection squad um, enforcement uh, group that those guys turned into their own street gang. Um, and he, um, you know, he had said that, you know, with gentrification in Washington and stuff, I mean, there isn't a lot to, to write about in terms of this street crime, even though it's, 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 it's there and, it, and, it, and it's rampant, but nobody's writing about it. Um, you know, you're going to have to go find another angle. So the angle was to really look at, at Dickie Cornish as, as a homeless addict. He's a homeless uh, drug addict who won't uh, even go to the VA hospital to collect his benefits because he's, he's so far gone. He's a college graduate. He was an athlete in college. His family, uh, you know, his father was in the, in the Marine Corps. His mother was from a fairly uh, uh, um, affluent D.C. family. But, you know, he just zigged instead of zagged. And that was that it didn't take much re- research, you know, I just, I live in DC and, 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 and you know where I live and mm-hmm. um, you used to live there too. And you could yeah. go to any number of guys on the street corner, start talking to them and they might come up with the same damn story. And it's true. I mean, they zigged instead of zagged and now look at them. I mean, they're, they're, they're down and, and, and almost dead. And so, um, you know, that's what I wanted to, to cover, but make it, you know, exciting, make it entertaining as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's always tricky when you write. I imagine it's always tricky when you're writing your style of mystery novel and, 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 you know, kind of uncovering the corruption and, and trying to find that central theme. Like, how do you go about, except that's one of the great questions I've always wanted to ask thriller and mystery writers and things like that and war writers is how, how do you go about formulating without giving it away, obviously, because we want people to read the book <laughs> and discover it themselves. But how do you go, go about like formulating that, that plot line? You know, do you, are you the type of person that like, okay, I'm going to formulate everything ahead of time or does it kind of come as you're writing or like, how do you go about that?
1: Yeah. Well, in our genre, I mean, when I'm, um, i just on full disclosure. Um, you know, I met you at, at, uh, in Minneapolis uh, at a, a mystery writers convention. Yeah. Yeah. And there were these two, there was this uh, this uh, terminology that came about that I'd never heard from before. Are you a pantser or are you an outliner? And pantser is, do you go by the seat of your pants? And just kind of, you know, do you, do you just have a lump of clay and then you just mold it? And then, you know, and I'm a pantser. Um, yeah, yeah. Me, me Primarily too. because, yeah. yeah, I mean, most of my stuff is character driven. And if it's character driven, then that's what you should do. Um, you, you know, you, you want you want to have some beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not total chaos, but you know, it 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 it's you, you know you 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 look you look for some way to to really spotlight characters, and then you build a plot around it. Now, what I do in the second phase, in terms of building a plot around it, is I look at uh discreditable activity. Around me. Now, in the first book scavenger, when when Dickie was pretty much half that book he was on the street, the police weren't really a a you know a, a factor. I mean, they were actually even a positive factor because every now and then they'd pick him up and send him to to the to the shelter, or they'd you know they 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 would rescue him from some petty uh, entanglement. But really, in the second book, I started to look at, you know if he's starting to be more visible. If he's starting to become a private uh, detective and have jobs above, you know, being a bouncer at a fifteen-year-old's birthday party or something like that, um, he would have to look at the, the cops in a different light. And he's and now he's he's starting to do that. They're more a factor in his life. And what he's what he's seeing is, or uh, what I'm seeing when I look at the uh, the police in this second book, um, came from just real life. Um, looking at the ones that were really trying to make a difference and then there the third group of the ones who were kind of pseudo woke who were you know woke as a tool to basically co-opt <laughs> you know their, their adversaries and then the third group was the more traditional kind of um you know uh, goose steppers in blue which exist on every uh department and every every sheriff's office so I saw those three uh forces in real life in 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 d c and some of the ensuing uh, departments and um you know, and then I started to see some of the little things that they were involved in and 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 one of them that caught my interest was one or two of them were doing some some serious uh sex trafficking um with poor women now I wasn't tr- you know in, in real life, a lot of that involved women who were who were um foreign born who were Undocumented, um, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I wanted to. I, I juiced it up a lot, and and you know, it made it made it more. You know, just poor women in general who were in shelters, and um, basically, you know, that's what these guys were doing. And then the other side of the coin was, you know, what happens to their kids? Well, the I wanted to show kind of the more evil side of the pseudo woke people, and the pseudo woke people were basically taking those kids and giving them to rich families um, from, from foster care. So that's, you know, that's the, the kind of discreditable activity that Dickie finds himself in the middle of, and, 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 and it's basically a war, internal war, in, inside the police department. It's easy to find real-life stuff. You just the, the skill is trying to turn that into a, weave that into a story that people will hopefully find compelling.
0: Well, and I think that that is where the real skill is, And but I think I love the idea that, you know, like you say, and, and your books are really there, you know, especially Scavenger and I and, and Standalone as well, but, like, you know, the, the great thing about kind of seeing the world through your character's eyes uh, and then being more based on character as opposed to necessarily plot, like you say, you know, the plot elements are there and it's a page turner in that aspect, but what makes it Truly captivating and what made Scavenger captivating for me is reading is that it is that ability to kind of see the world through somebody else's eyes. And a lot of times it's seeing the world through someone's eyes that you you don't really have any connection to, depending on what your background is and where you're coming from. And that creates a brilliant humanization and, and allows the reader, you know, if you're a reader in Kansas. You know, reading reading about you know what's going on in, in Dickie's Dicky's life and how he's handling these things. I mean, that that gives you a better insight. I think, and it creates an empathy there. You know, because anytime you're reading a book, you're always sitting in that character's, especially the main character, you're always sitting in that character's perspective. And that's one of the great things I like about your writing is that it, it creates a, a a connection to a place that a lot of people don't ever want to venture into. They don't, you know, a lot of people. You know, you pass somebody on the street who's asking for a little money or you pass a homeless person, you know, a lot of people try to look the other way or it makes them uncomfortable. Whereas, you know, by reading Scavenger or get, you know, or, or delving into that and seeing it through Dickie's eyes, you do create a certain amount of, you, you create a great empathy for that character and, and, and it then forces someone not familiar with those situations or someone who chooses to ignore those situations to then maybe look at those folks a second time walking when they're in the street, you know, and, and build up that empathy that I think is so lacking in today's society. Oh
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and, and, and it's, it's,
0: I mean, not that you set out to do that. But it's kind of,
1: what I was going to say and this, and, I, and I'm not, this, this isn't like, Uh, a butt kissing session, but I did, a a lot of this came about um, for something I can't quite put my finger on and something that that, that Jesse had said a long time ago, but it was basically that, you know, empathy and sympathy are not the same thing. I mean, when you're you're trying to get somebody to empathize, that doesn't mean you're trying to excuse the person for every messed up thing that they've done. I mean, you just want to walk in their shoes and see, okay, now I see why things are the way they are? It's not like okay, now I empathize with this person, and okay, so the world sucks, and this person is totally a babe in the woods, and the world has has effed him over. That that's not really what empathy means. I mean, you can come to that conclusion, and empathy does bridge that, but it makes you it makes you walk a mile in that person's shoes, and you're a little more careful about condemning them, and it makes you smarter in terms of you know well what can i do to help i mean you know i'm you know i'm not going to be naive about this because i want there to be a real solution and empathy is the way you do that and i really want people to empathize with all my characters even the bad ones oh, yeah. Yeah, because i you know i have you know i have a, a crooked chief of police who is a, a the first female chief of police and she comes from a background where her dad was in the FBI and 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 was 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 uh was screwed out of his position because he was a little too um you know enthusiastic about bringing down some 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 criminals in the Midwest. I mean who, ha- who were connected. I mean so she has her 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 cross to bear the 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 one of the truly evil characters who's a deputy police commissioner. I mean he feels that he's been passed over and he feels that he has a solution to fighting urban crime and he's never been given a chance to do that you know and he's been you know it, 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 it's it's not um it's not a, a question of monsters and saints because that's the way the world is it's not a question of monsters and saints you've got some people who are more saintly and more monstrous than the others but i mean everybody's pretty much in the middle
0: that is a great way to kind of encapsulate that and and You know, and that's where real, I think, like, as we were talking about, that's what that's one of the things that's so lacking in society right now that I think great novels and great literature really helps people kind of get a better grasp on those things, because there are a lot of monsters in this world, but all monsters are made. You know, corruption, it's nobody wakes up in the morning and says, boy, I can't wait to be corrupt this morning. (laughs) i mean maybe i i don't think they do you know i I, I don't either (laughs) you know nobody wakes up and says man i can't wait to screw over the little guy today uh you know and or at at that same token nobody wakes up and says boy i I can't wait to i can't wait to be a drug dealer or i can't wait to be this it's usually most crime comes out of necessity
1: yeah
0: i'm curious where How much of that, you know, every writer you pull from your own experiences, like you said, you know, you could walk out your front door and we lived in that neighborhood and we see, you know, folks like Dickie uh, all the time. Um, But at the same time, there's also elements, I think, as a writer, as someone who's written, you know, screenplays a little different, obviously, but you you still pull from your own personal experiences. How much of these books did you pull from your own life outside, you know, maybe just on an emotional level, as opposed to just the, the, you know, the kind of trappings of, okay, this is the guy he's, you know, starts here or, these are the corrupt police, you know, like we know all that, but how much of it was also just emotional things that you were going through yourself or, or you know, life hurdles that you would face that kind of found their way into the writing?
1: Oh, well, you know, it, everybody has, does that. Um, everybody injects real people. Everybody injects themselves. I mean, for me, it was what you said. I mean, because obviously I wasn't, you know, I wasn't homeless, um, but, you know, what I would do is take, emotion, emotional responses I had to problems that I either had or created myself and sensations and this and that I mean you know I mean I've I, you know I've tried you know heavy stuff I've done some bad things I mean and you gotta you know and, and so I, I I try to extrapolate from that and then and then put it through his through the ringer of his experience and that you know that obviously takes it up very a lot of notches and and you know I, I'm not so in other words I'm not I'm not Coming at it from from someone who's never experienced these feelings, these emotions, these sensations is just that I injected it in, 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 through his eyes and his experiences, and that that multiplies the effect. I mean, you know, d- d- the shame that he might have felt in, in in some situation, i felt that, but I just put it through his eyes, and it and it comes across a lot, you know, worse. So it, it's 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 a lot of of personal um, feelings, personal relationships personal observations that go into this. I mean, people who say that they don't do that are lying. People that say they don't base characters on real people are lying. They, they'll they take a kind of a, a piece of a real person and then build something around it. I mean, if you do it correctly, I mean, that person will probably, a person will probably still see the essence of themselves in that character. So that's why I don't even lie. If somebody, if somebody does guess it, and say is that based on me and i'll say, yeah it is but it's only like one little piece <laughs> of you you know and usually it's not somebody who's bad but
0: yeah, a lot of times
1: i'll right. i'll take the bad i'll take the, the one part of that person's personality and i'll put it in a bad character yeah. just to see how that person behaves and then you know the, then the real person will be like well, wait a minute you know is that, is that me i mean i don't do that and i'm like well to me, you did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's the kind of fun that you, that I, as a as a as a writer, that's part to me. That's kind of part of the fun too. Is you know, you take these these elements of real life uh, that you've either personally experienced that you see, and then you extrapolate, and you and you see where the story takes it. That's why I like the the, seat of the Pants style writing because you that elite, that allows you a certain freedom of not having to be locked into a plot point. Okay, by page X, I have to hit this. You know where okay. you know maybe in the rewrite, you know maybe in version two, three, four, and all the different rewrites you go through, you can kind of hone it down and get it closer to like, you know, that kind of expectation of so exactly. you know, it's not meandering. Because um, it's very easy, I think, especially in, in a character study, it's very easy to kind of get lost in the character and then you kind of lose that that through line that keeps the the train chugging towards its destination. In in writing the second book, what what surprised you the most, you know, you get, I know you went in with one set of ideas of where you wanted to take it, but as someone who writes from the sea of their pants, what surprised you the most about where your story went, again, without giving away too much or give away as much as you'd like, but what surprised you the most about where you ended up when, from where you started at the beginning of, of standalone?
1: It surprised me that, uh, that I, I I could take a character literally from the street to, you know, testifying in the federal courthouse in a suit, you know, I mean, that's, that's the journey that this guy has taken, you know, through COVID, because there's COVID is a character in the second book, you know, I'm about realism, um, through, you know, a lot of people that, that were in the first book are not in the second book, because they, they died of COVID, because they were poor, um, there were, you know, it, 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 it just taking him from that that world where nobody cares who he is, to a world where a lot of people care who he is for good or bad. Um, I was shocked that I was able to do that without making like, you know, insane kind of uh, uh, plot jumps. But what never ceases to surprise me is how surprise or uh, kismet does enter into this. I mean, you plan it because you're an author, but a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, in real life, so much of that is luck. I mean, because what you do is you work yourself into a position where in real life where you you're you're sitting on this on this uh on this cliff, and kismet is you either fall off the cliff or you sit there forever, or some giant eagle comes and picks you up and takes you where you want to go. And 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 that's basically what life is. I mean, you know. At different points, I put him in these, these these points of where Kismet will come in and either you know, kill him or take him to another level, or he just stagnates. I want the reader to see, okay, he's put himself in this position, good or bad. Now let's see what happens. And what happens is he usually catches a break and, and the story moves on, or he gets his ass kicked and he's got to start all over again. And, and that's, to me, that's life. Um, I mean, it, it's it's manufactured, yeah, for fiction, but you know, I just want people to understand that. You know, I mean, yes, you do work hard and you and you you earn what you know you work for and everything, but at a certain point, you know, it's just dumbass luck whether you proceed or you get knocked back. And if you get knocked back, then you gotta work back up to that sec that piece again. And then maybe dumbass luck will pick you up again and move you on. You know, it, so it, it's so <laughs> true. You know, I mean that that's all I'm trying to show people. I I'm not trying to preach that, you know, nor am I saying, well, you should just lie back, you know, yeah, yeah. do nothing not out life. of bed maybe something the photo ring, but I mean, it's not all, hey, you know, rugged individualism. I did it myself. I mean, there that's true to a point. But then when you reach that point, it's like, okay, you know, you're at a crossroads, you know, you're gonna make a step, but, but something's gonna push you or pull you at some point. You gotta be prepared for that.
0: I think that's a great way to approach a storytelling because to like, as you laid out that that's what real life is more. One of the things I can't stand and in, in whether it be film or, 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 you know, novels or literature is when you feel the overarching hand of the plot making decisions that doesn't feel natural to life. And I think that what you just laid out right there was so true to life, you know, that it, it's, you can, you can do all the preparation you want to You know come to a crossroads but the end of the day it's it's you know what got you there and then what propels you forward is a lot of times things that are so beyond your control and you know one of the elements i liked about your writing is that it, it it would be then easy to kind of like read something like that and then feel the hand of a plot dictating where they're going but the great thing about your writing is you don't feel that you know it does feel like a natural sequence of events as opposed to all right well this little kismet thing happened because i needed to get him into this place or i need to get this character to do this where everything feels organic and natural to the decision making of the character or the or the decision you know makings of what's going on around him Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's that's brilliant writing that's that to me that to me is a more realistic writing than you know where okay i know that i know that i bought this vampire book and at some point the person's (laughs) going to become a vampire right like you know but if it happens organically where you're with it you're like oh no i like that you know because look we thrillers and noir and mystery you know it's a genre it's a thick genre and and everybody knows what they're buying when they pick up that copy of the book i want a good murder mystery i want a good mystery to solve i want to be you know right there with the character even if i get a little bit ahead then oh man i'm totally surprised at where it's going But I think the good and the classics are the ones where you're never really ahead of the character and that you see everything through their eyes. And, you know, when you finally get to the end, you don't feel like you were manipulated to that conclusion.
1: What I try to do is is basically, if there's manipulation going on, it's the characters manipulating each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, it's me, obviously it's me, but I want to show the characters manipulating, you know, one another. I mean, clearly... If you read both books together, if you, you know, you can, you, you, you see the fact that, you know, obviously this guy would not have been, would not, would be under the cops radar had it not been for the plot of, of scavenger. So, you know, you have, you have scavenger and now he's on rate, he's on the radar. Now, then that, be- that gives you a whole line of things that you can do to, for your characters who might be cops to manipulate him. He can either go along with it. Um, in this instance, he, he he's not doesn't go along with anything willingly. But then he realizes that he has to um, for you know to help people, and the fact that he's being threatened.
0: It's a great motivation.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he wouldn't have gotten noticed at all had it not been for the plot of, of of Scavenger. So I mean, everything builds. You know, you you get into wider circles, you get more noticed, and as you get more noticed good and bad things happen to you. They just come along, you know, the bad people will will notice you and say, okay, I can use this guy. The good people will come to you and say, Hey, I can use this guy, you know, um, to help me. And so the problem that I have with my character is that, you know, a lot of times it, it's not until he's forced into those situations. Does he, does he make these decisions? Does he say, all right, you know, it's almost like he still feels that he's a cork bobbing in the ocean, and it's going to take him a certain way. He doesn't he doesn't understand until the last minute, um, or or he's forced to that he can he can kick and swim away from it. I don't want him to ever lose that indecision and lose that kind of you know well you know am I floating? Am I swimming? If I swim, will it work? I w- I want him to still have that kind of indecisiveness. Um, that he didn't, you know, that that that's that's basically um, an interesting counterpoint to when he was on the street. Because when you're on the street, you got to do stuff to survive, and you got to make a decision. And he, you know, he wasn't sitting there going, "Okay, well, somebody dropped a half-eaten of eating Big Mac in this garbage can. Uh, what if they have bad breath?" It's like, no, I'm just gonna right. just grab it out and eat it because yeah. it's 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 you know, it's 15 degrees outside. I got to take it. i can take it into my tarp. That I built over a heat grate. It's like no, <laughs> you go and do it. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So you, or you die, you freeze, and you starve. You know. And that's what and,
0: makes. That's what makes Dicky such a compelling character is because you know you don't come across characters that often in that genre. You know, you always go back to the trappings of like the you know Dasho Hammett type characters and things like that that are very, you know, they're very wildly smart. They feel like they're game planning out, and then they lose control. Right. right. That's you kind know, of this. This is something starting from a guy who's lost control and then you know and then it's kind of it, it's a really neat reverse of, of that kind of storytelling in that genre you know i want to also ask you this because look we on hawks we talked a lot about culture and things like that and you're, and you're such a great you I, I always enjoy your observations of it and being that you're writing in that kind of crime thriller genre why do you think you look around at society today that's all people love like you turn on tv you have channels dedicated to you know, crime yeah. and genres and all that. Why is that such a? And maybe it's always been that way, but it just feels like the ebb is really big right now.
1: It is a lot of voyeurism, it, it, and it's vo- it's safe voyeurism. I mean, you know, whether you're looking at the the Jeffrey Dahmer thing on on Netflix or you're looking at um, um, Investigation Discovery, it's voyeurism, and it and 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 they have their own they have their own niches. Basically, the problem is. Like all voyeurism, it's it's basically I'll take what I can get till I get my my jollies off, and then I can back then I can go back to my normal sweet life. I can watch a movie about a, a cannibal. I can watch somebody, you know, who murders his 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 family to get the insurance money and then run away with his mistress, or I can watch the first 48 and 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 watch nothing but street crime. Somebody told me that that um that uh, investigation discovery is the first 48 for white people because <laughs> because you know you go to investigation discovery it's, it's like it's like white people bumping each other off for for just various petty reasons or for insurance and on the first 48 is people of color murdering each other for you know over a drug deal or something like that and it and but the the the, the, the end game is the same you turn it off and you you go back and you, you know, you 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 take your kids out for pizza. And you know, in real life, there's no taking your kids out for pizza. I mean oh. this stuff is for real. I mean, these people did eat people, these people do get shot, you know, on the street and bleed all over the place. Somebody does get mugged or raped and left, you know, by a dumpster and and and, and nothing happens.
0: I mean, it, it, it's there's no justice. What well, what and what's what's fascinating as as a, as a counter to that is that actually if you look, violent crime by and large has gone down in the past like four yeah, years and, in this country. And, and, you know, and, like, I, and I think I think. Whereas that if you watch added... TV, you think it's everywhere. Oh right? yeah,
1: you know. But but when you well, actually I mean, look at the here,
0: statistics, it's falling.
1: Here's the thing: I think that it feeds the voyeurism also because you know, and and and, and we've seen this kind of in some in a lot of cities post-COVID. Is that it's not really the it's not really the amount or the rate it's the brazenness, mm. and I think that mm. what 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 I'm seeing is that the fatalism you know where the world sucks so I don't give a fuck pardon my language <laughs> um so I'm gonna get my piece of it and I don't care who gets hurt I mean the nihilism and the fatalism I think is getting more brazen mm. you, you, you know when, when you know, the more the, the desperation just turned to this kind of cold uh, emotionless you know I don't care. I don't care who gets hurt. I don't care if I get hurt because I'm not mm-hmm. going to be around anyway. Mm-hmm. So what? Who cares if I go and uh, attack a, a, a you know a, an Uber driver and, and, and murder them and take take the, the driver's car? The world doesn't care about me. The world doesn't care about itself. You know, look around you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So why? You know, who's going to mourn me? Who's going to mourn this Uber driver? Who cares? And you know, and I think that kind of stuff is starting to get more prevalent. The numbers. Are not, you know, if you yep. really look at it, no matter what you see on the media or what the police might say, the numbers are about the same or they're yep. or they're down. Yeah, it's, yep. it's the brazenness and the attitude I think that's that's getting
0: people noticed, and 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 that's what scares me. In this new book, you you weren't afraid to go after corruption. Uh, especially within the police departments and within our institutions and, and having the book based in Washington, D.C., you know, <laughs> that's a that's a fertile playing ground for, for <laughs> institutional corruption. That's right there in your face. But then seeing it through the eye of somebody who's at the lowest level of, you know, tr- tragically at the lowest level of, of what we call society, um, you know, that... For anybody out there who's just, you know, wavering on whether they should pick up the book, I mean, I think you definitely should because you don't, like we're saying, you don't normally get to see the corruptions that you suddenly see in a news headline uh, from the eyes of the people directly affected by that corruption. Usually it's always, it's kind of that voyeur mentality, even to that extent. It's like, well, you know, this institution that I pay taxes to is very corrupt or something of that nature, but it doesn't affect me directly. And so telling these stories that you do, even in the first one, you know, it, it's, it's. I, I really applaud you for for kind of going into it and saying, I want to show what corruption looks like to the people who are at the adverse end of that corruption, not just being able to sit back and kind of watch it play out and be angry about it. This yeah. is, these are people who are physically affected by this.
1: You know, I remember when I was young, you know, my parents would buy the quintessential Robert Ludlam hardcover and it was always it was always dc and in and, in and, and that kind of you know um, um jason bourne you know or that kind of a thing you know where it, it was high level corruption and it was you know a senator gets killed or a president is being blackmailed i mean that's that's the last the last minute administration has taught us that you know that's that's that stuff is like not no one cares about that i mean you 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 know they they've lowered the you know they've lowered the the the, the threshold of stuff so i mean you, you you know you you can you can take it down to that that kind of petty level and um i mean in, indeed you know i do make reference in 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 standalone uh, at times and then some somewhat in, in 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 the first one uh to a, a higher presence a federal presence and this is the federal city and this is the capital of the united states but even there, nobody cares about these people, and even there, there's a there's 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 conflict, you know, between the locals and the feds, and and conflict between the image of, of of this as as a federal city, as as capital city, as gleaming monuments, versus, you know, what's going on in the street, you know, you know, in the in the first one. I was talking very openly about the K2 that he's addicted to and how that's that was real. I mean there were people lying around in the streets in DC and there were tourists that were coming in and walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and seeing these people lying there and it was like I don't see anything. <laughs> you know, I mean over by the White House, over by what was Trump's uh hotel. I mean, you know, everyone's like I don't I don't care. I don't see anything. I don't know who these people are and I don't care. And and it's, it's, it's a really um, interesting study to see this you, know, you, this, this, you know, you have the capital of the United States and then, you know, but it's also a city with problems and nobody wants to, to explore the fact that it's both and the solutions come from understanding that it's both.
0: What do you you know in in a broader spectrum? Like where where do you see this genre going? Is there anything out there that you see uh, apart from your own work? Is there anything out there that you see that's like wow, I never really thought that this genre would go in that direction, or like this person's doing some really magnificent work, or or you know where do you see the genre heading?
1: Well, I mean it's it's I have to just say you know first of all, women generally and women of color specifically have just turned the whole genre on its ear, you know, even, even the, the, you know, the cat figuring out who poisoned grandma in the pant in the pantry stuff has been transformed by, by, by younger women and by women of color. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how that's, that's happened. Um, um, then there are, there are, there are writers who have taken over. Um, you know, there's a guy named um, Sean Cosby, uh, who did uh, blacktop wasteland who kind of took. The, the mystery genre the mystery bridge into liter into literature that you know people like Walter Mosley et cetera, were trying to do and I think that he's basically done that um, to the point where I don't even know if he's really in this genre anymore he's, he's in his own he's in his own planet right now and you know so but they've taken you know the origi- the original tropes of, of, of mystery and thriller and crime and noir and have run with it. And, you know, it, it, it's it's that's those are the people who people should be reading. And then younger, younger uh, uh, writers who are putting their stamp on it and, and, and putting a regional stamp on it, you know, southern kind of a thing. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it could be hillbilly noir, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, that, and that's a real thing. You know, yeah. I mean, when people talk about diversity and wokeness and all that kind of stuff. That is there in your face as an example of what what happens when you take a more inclusive view, the whole thing turns on its ear. And there's plenty of, there's plenty of meat to go around for everybody. Yeah. Maybe the old timers and the people who are more traditional aren't getting the love that they think they deserve. You know, I don't think I'm getting the love that I think I deserve. (laughs) I've been doing this a long time, but at the same time, the, um, you have a genre that's turned on its ear and has gotten richer and more, and, and more, um and and more incredible and engaging out there. And, you know, there's, so there's your example. It's like, it's not necessarily the, the pot, the pie gets bigger, it's that the, the pie gets bigger and it gets incredibly tastier. Which
0: is all the better for all of us who are fans. You know, that's the right, thing I right. love about it. It's like, I love see you know, as a, as a reader, I love, that I'm being trans it, it, I'm a more of a real life reader like I, I I don't mind fantasy there's some great stuff you know Neil Gaiman is incredible oh yeah, you know, yeah read no. his books and things like that and I love fantasy it's great but I'm always drawn to real world stories and seeing the the genre go in the direction it's going now that there is more diversity there is more inclusion in it and seeing all these different stories from all these different walks of life just it makes me salve you know as a as a fan it's such a great time to be a fan this this genre is really
1: kind of america's um you know like jazz yeah rock and roll and music this this genre really is america's uh gift to to literature i mean you, you know you could talk about comic books and graphic novels yes but that's that's all, that's like, a, that's a delivery system really. In terms of, 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 of a genre and a style, this is really America's gift to the world. And that's why it's, it's such a big deal here and overseas. And, you know, and, there are, and, and, and quite frankly, I mean, there are a lot of people, particularly in the kind of hardcore, hard-boiled noir um, subgenre, who get more love overseas now than they do here. Wow. Um, because, you know, it, it's, it, you know, but it's the same as like with jazz, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, England and France mm-hmm. and, and and stuff like that, or, you know, the Beatles had to go to Germany yeah. for people to appreciate what they right. were doing. You know, it, it's our gift to, to the world. And I think it's going to keep giving as long as you keep, you know, innovating. And I'd like to think that, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not doing this to please critics. I'm not doing this to please my peers you know, I'm doing this because I, I like pushing the envelope. If the critics don't like it, the critics luckily have liked it, I'm I'm, I'm happy. If, if, if my peers don't like it, and I've had a lot of peers that do, then I'm, you know, great. If the readers, you know, if, as long as I can find some subculture of readers who will like it, then I'm fine with it. If most mainstream like readers don't like it, I mean, fine, I'm going to keep doing it.
0: That's what I love. And speaking of keep doing it, man, so do you do you, when you finished Scavenger did you always think like okay I'm going to keep this I I am going to keep writing about this character eventually I know I'm going to do a sequel you did a sequel pretty quick actually after Scavenger yeah. which is awesome do you think that there's another Dicky Corner story in you is that character yeah. going to keep going forward
1: Yeah there is I mean you know and that's that's you know I mean of course that that's that's dependent on the vicissitudes of the business and, and 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 that includes you know what relationship you have with your publisher um the fact that I could do this I was because the publisher was really excited about this kind of work and this kind of envelope pushing. There's there's a third book in me, and I'm and I'm working on it now. And if if there's a if there's a possibility for a fourth or something like that, it could be with my 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 present publisher, Three Rooms Press. It could be with another one, you know. And I also work on other things. So you know, I'm in, I'm in an anthology um, uh, coming out in another month. From Soho Press about um, you know the, the theme is voy- not really voy- voyeurism but you know witnessing crime um, you know witness for the dead basically and wow. you know all the stories are about you know what happens you know w- when you witness somebody being murdered or you know you're a voyeur so you know there's there's that kind of stuff and that's that's coming out in November uh, 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 Witness for the Dead from um, Soho you know so i'm doing that too i mean it it's it's it, it's it's just it's just to keep pushing the stuff to see to, you know to to please myself to experiment oh I mean, yeah that's why i did scavenger was an experiment and 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 this is the continuation of the experiment i could have stayed safe i could have <laughs> stayed with all the mystery tropes and then you know had cocktails you know, and, and 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 talked about you know this and that, but you know I, I didn't want to do that.
0: No, and, no, that's you know, sometimes
1: that, you get a pat on the back for that, and an atom boy. Sometimes
0: people ignore you. I mean, you know, it's their way. I don't care. I'm still doing it. That's why you're you a perfect addition to to this podcast series that we're doing, Independent <laughs> Street, because you are. You're an independent thinker. You're an independent writer, and I love it. And it, it you know it, it it fits in perfectly with you know the kind of overall ideology of what we're doing here on die first and then quit man. chris thank you very much for joining us today once again let everybody know where they can get standalone and, uh, standalone
1: and- it comes out on the 18th of october you can pre-order it on amazon um, you can order it or pre-order it or go visit the bookstore of your choice it will probably be there and if it's not they can get it for you easily um, it's out in kindle and um, as well if you want to just read it on your screen Scavenger is out in an in, uh, in audiobook. The actor that plays Dickie's voice is incredible. So you can get Scavenger on Amazon, um, um, you know, through Audible um, on, on, on audio and Scavenger in hard, hard uh, copy or on Kindle. So um, just look at Amazon or if you don't want to pay Jeff Bezos, go to the independent
0: bookstore of your choice. Love it. Love it. Chris, always a pleasure having you on, man. Thank you so much. You. And uh, we will check back in soon with how everything's going. And good luck on the release of your book.
1: Thank you. Thanks, man. And best to your dad. Definitely.